Welcome back. This is the Daily Thunder podcast, and we are live for the first time on YouTube and on Twitter. Follow at Daily Thunder for uh, for all of the action, and you can jump in and ask questions, leave your comments, uh, maybe some maybe some excitement for uh, a loss if you're into that. Maybe some tears for a loss if you're into that. I am with Cray Allred, editor in chief of Daily Thunder, for the first time this year. Welcome to the show, Day- uh, Cray. Ah, thanks for having me, Ryan. I am uh, a little bit tired from that one. It's, Not it's as tired as you. I'm. I got a, an hour. It's an hour earlier here than where you're at. But I. I am on the East Coast. It is 1:07 as we speak. It is. It's. It's early. It's early <laughs> in the morning. Um, that was. That was quite the game. Oklahoma City takes the Lakers to overtime for the second straight game on the road. And drop another one, one fourteen to one thirteen. Uh, just instant, instant reaction to everything we saw tonight. Oklahoma City's playing with eight players, uh, no Roby tonight, no SGA, no Maladone, and no George Hill, and they set a season high for assists without any point guards. So my first reaction is just rage at LeBron. Um, because when he just wants to win the game, you know, he'll just kind of toy with the thunder and then (laughs) drag it into overtime and then just, you know, hit all these key clutch plays. Not that he was perfect down the stretch, but, uh, it was just a little annoying. If we're going to lose, you know, get it over with earlier. Um, and because of that, you know, a game like this, uh, I kind of fight the impulse to think, do we learn anything? Uh, when the Lakers are clearly just not in high gear, right? They were they're without Anthony Davis. They were not getting a, a full throttle effort from LeBron. Um, lots of hustle points, lots of backdoor scoring from the Thunder, from yeah. uh, Lakers whose heads were definitely not on a swivel. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the assists. Um, it continues. I mean, that's... If nothing, even if it's not, you know, a validation of Hamadou Diallo, you know, playmaker, ball handler for real, uh, or any of the other players that are, you know, inhabiting that role without any of the Thunder's real point guards, if nothing else, it's a validation of uh, Coach Mark Dagnall, right? Uh, At least being able to scheme with a very talent-challenged and body a few bodies uh, short able to come up with actual scoring, right? That actually works against a, a real NBA team. So um, the, that's that's what I gleaned from the offense. Um, I had some other thoughts, uh, bigger picture. But as far as the short term of this game, I think, you know, kudos to the young hustling Thunder, the young hustling Thunder coaching staff, um, you know, it's it's nice to see sparks, even if it felt inevitable the whole time that the Lakers would eventually uh, actually take them seriously and uh, beat them. But yeah, yeah, Oklahoma City led sixty seven fifty seven at the half, and just for them to score fi- or sixty seven points in the first half against this team, 
um, they were getting, like you're saying, so many, so many easy looks at the basket from a very, just lazy Laker defense in the first half. They they looked like they were sleepwalking, much like they looked on, on Monday night as well. You can tell when, this this Laker team is very interesting. This was their third straight overtime game, and they've won all three. And it looked like they tried for about. 15 minutes combined in those three games like they are a very good team and they're a team that would like you're saying having lebron means they can kind of flip that switch and when he decides it's time to win um that's really all it takes against a team that is so shorthanded like oklahoma city tonight so um but yeah like you're saying coach dagnall is getting such a great effort every single night from whoever is from whoever is playing um, and it's it's encouraging to see Kendrick Williams finished with 24.6 rebounds. Al Horford had an amazing night, 25 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, four steals and a block, uh, 17 from Dort, uh, 15 and 13 from Diallo. Paisley had a rough night uh, with just nine and seven, but still a really, really uh, encouraging effort from from a team only playing eight guys. Yeah, really encouraging. Uh, and I honestly, so uh, not to rush too far ahead, but Baisley's tough night. Yeah. You know, he doesn't need to prove himself as a shooter, like a lethal shooter in his uh, second year in the league necessarily, right? He's got uh, a, a very diversified skill set, clear role with the team. But I'm starting to think about the Thunder's front court of the future. Mm-hmm. And as all of a sudden Kenrick Williams looks like a good player, uh, Isaiah Roby looks like a modern player. I'm not saying any of these are necessarily even starter level, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's a nice problem to have to start thinking about, you know, is there some crowding in the front court that's gonna happen? Uh, because I think one thing that has that is pretty clear to me that I was not so sure about, um, and the naysayers were right about Baisley coming into this season, is uh, I would be pretty surprised at this point if he's going to hold up as a five. Um, mm. You know, we we saw how difficult that was for when he had to play against Anthony Davis. But see, even a player like Montrez Harrell, you know, uh, just by brute strength, uh, was just manhandling Baisley, especially down the stretch. Uh, and yeah. same for, you know, Mike Muscala. It wasn't just by way of Baisley, but um, the Thunder front court has held up um, really well on the perimeter. The Thunder's defense as a whole has held up. Um, they've been, uh, you know, one-on-one assignments and especially kind of instinctual help defense, including from Baisley, you know, Poku when he was uh, still with the, the big league team. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have no rim protection. They still hold up on defense. So it's like, where is the are we going to somehow uh, in the most ironical or ir, ironical <laughs> it's like <Brandy>. <laughs> uh, ironic <laughs> the most ironic you know thunder turn are we going to be find ourselves clamoring in one of these upcoming drafts for like a traditional big because <laughs> we've got so many you know six eight guys that are undersized uh fours that are constantly getting brutalized in the paint like are we gonna yeah. be like 
you know, draft a big who protects the rim and just rolls to the basket every play. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, that's the dark future I have in my head. <laughs> it that is dark. That is dark. That's really that's really dark, Craig. <laughs> I got to be honest. Um, uh, Brandon and I have been talking about that as well. Like, I I hope big picture, long term for the way they construct this new new version of this team. I hope. I hope that the the five position is. I hope they spend it on guys like Nerlens Noel, like that level, that expensive of a player, like somebody. And I think Nerlens is underpaid, but um, somebody that you can get on that type of contract and save that money. Because we've, as Thunder fans, we've lived with uh, the the reality of paying Kendrick Perkins a lot of money and then paying Stephen Adams. You know, $25 million a year. That is, I hope they reallocate a lot of that money to those wing positions. But it makes me nervous that they, if they get their, if they get their chance to, they would draft Evan Mobley over someone like Kaminga or Green or, uh, or Suggs or somebody like that. So, um, for the, for the sake of having a, a, what we would consider a crowded front court. Right. And, you know, when you talk future, you don't know what the league will look like in the future. You know, yeah. you know yeah. the, the idea that Anthony Davis would be starting alongside Mark Gasol or JaVale McGee and punishing the whole league would have felt really weird a few years ago. No uh, question. And a few years from now, you know, uh, you know, it, it's not like we have to see a, you know, seven foot plus, you know, behemoth in the thunder paint to have uh, success whenever they want to contend again. So you're yeah. right. And, and, you know, of course when the warriors were, uh, the fun pre KD warriors, um, and with KD too, you know, they had, uh, it's not like they needed, uh, conventional big man, or even if they did, it wasn't even near the Nerlens Noel level. It's, you know, Zaza Pachulia dribble, dribbling the ball off his foot. So. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, yeah. 100%. They drafted uh, Looney. Uh, the Warriors drafted Looney late in the uh, in the first round uh, one year. So, yeah, I, it's something that can be addressed in other ways, especially if you've got other positions locked up. And uh, so I, I do hope they go guard heavy uh, looking forward. Speaking of the draft, that – Tonight's loss takes Oklahoma City's uh, standing to sixth. Uh, they they would be drafting sixth. Well, their lottery position is sixth right now. Only five teams with uh, with worse records right now. That's it's encouraging that Oklahoma City is getting back is getting into that range that we thought they would be in and thought thought they were going to need to be in to really capitalize on this season. So yeah, we they they've had some wins that we didn't expect. Both of these games are huge. Like as, when it comes to the draft pick, they just are. Um, if they were to have, I mean, if they would have won both of these games and they were both very winnable, um, man, that would have been really, really interesting. When it comes to comes to a faux tanking season, where have you been at with the with the the tank? Or are you looking for this team to win games, or are you are you wanting them to? Uh, to just uh, tank for that pick. We haven't talked about this yet. So I feel like I'm in a different place than most people um, where, you know, there's team tank and team compete. Uh, I think 
I understand uh, the emotions of team compete. Uh, I'm, you know, when I watch the games, I'm not uh, rooting for them to lose. Uh, really, I'm not really disappointed when they do lose. But uh, you know, in the moment, I'm not like miss a shot, miss a shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right. But uh, I'm almost kind of like um, the reason I believe in. I wouldn't say I believe in taking. The reason I believe in a a full rebuild process done right which involves some losing right mm-hmm. some some significant losing uh it's because i'm just a i appreciate vision and uh i don't like you know like uh walter white would say no half measures yes <laughs> so yes so i'm at a place where it's like i don't so much blame fans i think fans are going to be disappointed if they think uh sam Presti's gonna cough up any assets to make the current thunder better Right, he's not. Absolutely, he didn't last year. As much as everyone right. rode that high, and I was one of them, he didn't improve the team. He was not <laughs> buying at all, uh, and he's not going to buy uh, at this juncture. So that's not going to happen. But um, I do feel the antsiness of like, well, shoot, they're in so many of these games. There's the play-in tournament, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's a weird season where uh, they could. I mean, they could scrap into a lot more kind of fluky, weird wins than they would in a normal season. Uh, so I'm almost like, all right, if we're gonna really going to get this tank on, you know, I'd be okay with some fire cells. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I know, and I know, I think you and Brandon talked about recently that, you know, kiss goodbye the idea that Sam Presti would attach a draft pick to get rid of Al Horford. But yes, uh, if the gambit is, you know, attach a late first round pick to move off of Horford or maximize his value uh, at the cost of not getting better odds at Cade Cunningham. <laughs> like to yeah. me that there's, it's like uh, I don't know that there's a value in and of itself of moving off of those veteran players. Same thing with George Hill, who's kind of naturally come out of the equation recently. But Yeah, you're exactly right. The, the cost of, you know, the cost of just a couple wins could be massive when it comes to uh, the lottery. And um, I think Horford did. Horford does Presti a favor every night he comes out and does what he did tonight. Um, 25 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists with two, I think it was two steals, two steals in a block. Like these are four steals in a block. These are, these are games where, I mean, he's hitting, he's, uh, he's hitting 11 out of 18 shots. Like, these are the games that appeal to contenders that need shooting and playmaking at that position. Uh, he's a solid defender still. Like he's really held up. I don't see any deterioration out of Al Horford. He is not on a winning team, but that does not mean he is still not a winning player. And for for contenders to see that on a night like tonight against a a Laker team, watching him out there with you know guys that are obviously struggling. They're they're having to put forth so much effort just to hang in this game. Horford's being out there being a leader and uh, somebody to rely on. Down the stretch, they went to him and they were able to, you know, manufacture offense. Those are the types of nights that the team should be, lo- the GM should be looking at and hopefully picking up the phone because uh, Al Horford is an asset in this league for, for a team that's looking to compete. And 
I think there's a specific team in the East, the Boston Celtics, that I really hope come calling here soon. He's freaking awesome. I mean, it's amazing. He is. He's this year's Chris Paul. He's the Chris Paul of the front court of mm-hmm. rehabilitating his value and uh, having that old man game, despite you know being a little little slower. A little longer in the tooth in a million ways, but he still is <laughs> holding up and you know making all the right veteran savvy plays and leading the the Thunder mentally. Like it's it's crazy. I mean, he's not the level of player as Chris Paul, but he's he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, I, I mean, and you're talking about uh, people think the tank talk is silly when it's like it could be one game. It's like well, we're just gonna flip a coin at the end anyway. You know, the lottery. But it's like. No, this actually happened with Mike Muscala last year. <laughs> like, yes, Mike Muscala hit a shot in a game that, you know, the Thunder players wanted to win and the coaching staff wanted to win, and the front office was probably neutral. <laughs> <about> <laughs> neutral uh, is very kind. Neutral uh, is kind. But the, I mean, imagine if that is this year, and it's Al Horford hitting a buzzer beater, or dominating in a end of the game season against a playoff team that is resting for the first round of the playoffs, right? And they fall out of the top three yeah. for the lottery. I'm, like, that is significant. Yes. Uh, and, it, and it could... So that's where I'm like, is hanging on... Is trying to get an extra second round pick or hanging on to a late first rounder so that you don't part with Al Horford before his value is maximized. Is that really worth it if it could cost you you know, the first round pick of the draft with a generational yeah. talent. But so I'm just I, feeling antsy. I would imagine that I would hope that when we, once we get there, if that's the scenario that we're under, um, I would hope that Oklahoma city, you know, puts out a release maybe an hour and a half before the game. Hey, Horford sore ankle tonight. Um, probably, probably going to sit him. Cause I mean, what? Well, Muscala better be gone too by then. You're then he'll hit the game <laughs> You're exactly right. You're exactly right, and that's 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 kind of where I'm at. I'm hoping that by the end of the season, the last the last you know four weeks of the season look a lot like tonight, um, where they're playing with limited players, a lot of games without Shea, where we just sit him. Um, maybe maybe there's a. A, a sore knee like tonight that we need to be very precaution precautionary about like i i think they're gonna play it play the long game like you're saying and and when we get to the end of the season i think that's where we'll be um but coming back to tonight i'm really just really impressed with the effort 42 minutes for basely 41 for dort 40 for kenrich williams 37 for diallo like these guys are playing huge minutes for the second game in a row and they were going to play huge minutes whether the game went to overtime or not. They were going to play big minutes because this team is so shorthanded. And I'm just impressed with with uh, the effort they're out there giving in the first half. They're obviously just so worn down by the end of the game, but they're still uh, hustling. Dort found another gear late in that fourth quarter, uh, getting it to overtime. Uh, just very impressed, and it continues to speak to this coaching staff. They are they seem to be uh, very uh, on the same page and preaching the right things. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. It's one thing to have uh, fresh legs because you're a young team. It's another thing to have it on the road uh, when you actually only have eight players playing. <laughs> it's amazing. It is amazing. And, and, and when so much of the advantage is, you know, for them being in the game is running. 
mm-hmm. you know, pushing the pace because they don't have a half-court floor general to rely on every trip down the, the court. Like, yeah, that, that Dort, Dort, that was really encouraging. You know, he's been in a little bit of a slump, and it continued tonight. But it did, 05. Him, him continuing to attack the paint all the way to the finish uh, and even draw that and one uh, was nice to see him, you know, stay confident, stay aggressive. Cause that's the kind of player he needs to be. Absolutely. It was a monster. That was a monster and one down the stretch. Um, Want to go to, uh, to Muscala, ben, the bench tonight, very shorthanded Muscala, Jackson Miller. Um, I feel like Darius Miller uh, and Justin Jackson have picked an interesting time to start hitting shots and, looking like productive players Oklahoma City shot the ball so well in that first half uh first quarter especially they were up by 20 in the first half um just never would have imagined that this team could could get to 113 with the roster they had tonight like uh just I'm very encouraged by how hard this team plays um if you are someone who is wanting this team to compete they are competing they are doing everything they can to win these games um, as someone who is hoping that they drop games like they played tonight. Uh, I can assure you they are competing and they <laughs> are trying to win this game. Uh, it is, it's impressive night in night out the way that they get after it. I'm, I'm very encouraged with, with Kendrick Williams. There was uh, Justin and I talked about it on Monday night. There was a lot of, I guess, surprise at, at uh, the waving of Frank, Jackson before the season with how well he played in preseason and a lot of it was like why are we keeping why are we waving him in favor of a guy like Kenrich Williams and he's out there balling like he's this is a really really awesome opportunity for him um and another guy that if it comes time to deal a guy like George Hill is is that team also interested in in a in a wing that can shoot and score like Williams yeah so I uh, I, I think it was a mistake to feel precious about any of the summer uh, roster guys that had to get cut or were in jeopardy of being cut, and I think it'd be a mistake to be precious about them now, unless you know their initials are SGA. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know why. Uh, just because, by virtue of a player like that being young, why uh, Presty wouldn't be open at extracting value from them now. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, Williams looks like a player. He looks like not just like a, I wrote the recap tonight. You know, his reputation is kind of, you know, Kenny Hustle, garbage man, finding the extra points off the bench. But uh, he has, he's, he's got some craft and he can shoot. It's, it's not, you know, he's not just finding points that are left on the ground for him to pick up. He's actually looking like a real player. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean... Uh, typically the the kind of buyout trade market for contenders is uh, people on the verge of being washed up (laughs) three and D players that you know you know at least they might you know they're gonna you know have a 30 plus percent chance of hitting a three and not completely blowing a a team defensive assignment in the playoffs you know but uh, I I, I would not be shocked if a player like Williams um, would you know, actually draw interest from a team that maybe doesn't want another old guy uh, yeah. thrown into the mix. <laughs> and it's interesting. There was some reporting this week about 
the trade deadline that there's not going to be very many sellers. There's going to be a, a, a lot of buyers. And um, that is, that's setting up really, really well for Oklahoma City because they're a team, obviously, that could look to sell. And if they're one of the only teams that, that is selling, that means they're going to be able to not only move these, these guys, but maybe get more value uh, than, than they would in a different market because this, this market is going to set up for them to, to like we've seen Pressy do in the past, use competing offers to drive up the price. And for a guy like Horford and Hill and really, like you're saying, any of these guys aside from you know Dort and SGA and and Baisley, that uh, let me ask you this: Why wouldn't a team like Brooklyn offer up something nice for Dort? I've been very very interested to see what Dort's value would be right now because he's not just a defender. Like that has become very clear. This this kid has serious offensive skill. Even when, like, on a night where he didn't hit a single three, uh, scored in, I believe, the high teens, um, and he's 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 shown the ability to put the ball on the floor, not only to score but to pass, um, and he is a first-team All Defender. Um, I would be very curious what the price would be to get Dort right now, and if Oklahoma City would be interested in moving. It's very hard to imagine what the because he has like the dirt cheapest contract in the league uh for like an actual rotation player he's got the the cheapest uh contract i would say uh and the skill set that i mean that was one of my crazy predictions was that they would trade dort because if a team once is going to match up against james harden is there a better player they would want i don't i literally don't think there is not that there aren't better one-on-one players that are more proven or whatever, but yeah. I mean, they've, we've seen Dort match up and drive hard and crazy in the playoffs. So if you're going to, well, one, if you're Brooklyn and you don't want him <laughs> matching yeah. up against Harden, yeah. or if you know you're going to line up against him. Uh, I, and I honestly think Dort, um, that could be uh, kind of a harbinger for the Thunder rebuild. So we're, I think most of us are leaning towards, well, SGA is really good. He's better than we thought. This thing could be warp speed rebuild, right? They get mm-hmm. you know get the right draft pick this year and or next year, and we're off and running. Um, Sam Presti might not feel that way about the next couple draft picks or the Dorts and Baisleys of the team, uh, or even the Diallos now is in that conversation. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not that Dort prediction was kind of a wild, crazy thing. But if he if he trades one of the you know core ish looking young pieces. That's a signal that like this might be a little bit longer of a haul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and he does yeah. even if that doesn't include SGA. I mean, you know, you hate to say this about uh, you know a young awesome player's career, but they've got time, right? Yeah. Uh, and his his prime is he's not entering it uh, within the next year or two at earliest. So uh, yeah, I I I would be I would be. Uh, surprised if a player like that went but uh I, I, like i said i would i would appreciate the vision and commitment and yes uh being willing to really really anger a lot of fans for the good of the team <laughs> uh i think fans would feel like and it's kind of like the, the the jeremy grant trade right like they could have held on to jeremy grant after the paul george trade we knew it was probably coming to an end 
But once they traded Grant, there was like no benefit to it other than we're rebuilding, right? Mm-hmm. And everything was clear at that point. If they moved a, a player like Dort or Baisley now, it'd be like, oh, it, it's not even for like the current <laughs> rebuild. Yes. We're like rebuilding on top of rebuild. So yes, it would uh, be a, a serious like shock to the system, I think, for the fan base to see one of those guys get traded because. Right now, we have programmed that these guys are a part of Oklahoma City's quote-unquote rebuild. We have we have told ourselves that no matter you know what, what the play looks like. So uh, now that he's improving, I I would be very curious to see what Presti could potentially get uh, in a in a seller's market for a, a guy who has you know the most coveted uh, skills in the league, especially when his three pointer is is uh, is hitting. So. Uh, anyway, we Oklahoma do, we City. We have a couple of questions. Oh yeah, yeah. On the live stream. If Let's you get want. them. Let's get them. Uh, well, one just hello to all of our listeners. Thanks uh, for joining us as we are rookies at this, and appreciate your patience. Well, we got a. Well, I failed to get it up and off the <laughs> ground uh, from a couple of false starts. So hi to all of you. Um, a Steelers fan asks why the timeout didn't advance the ball past half court. I don't know if I remember what possession that would have been. Uh, I think he's the very referring last to, one. Yeah, the very last one. Um, it was half court. And they yeah, threw it, it was, into the back court. It, yeah, it was around half court. It was on Oklahoma City's side of of half court, but just barely. Okay. And the ball was thrown into the back court. Um, Oklahoma City, if I understand it correctly, has the they get to choose where that ball is taken out um and i i believe that's where they chose to have it taken out um i could be wrong if i remember correctly the play before that uh, to get it to that point was um the lebron shot that didn't go in horford I grabbed be- the rebound yeah i, I think basely i think basely grabbed it and I, I think put the ball on the floor so that may have negated their ability to advance it Oh, you're right. Yeah, I was thinking of different. Too many possessions on these stupid close. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of keep, them. Uh, especially when you're trying to write the recap and like find the actual <laughs> end of the game. But you get uh, crunch time twice. And then we got one from Arda Bulak. I apologize, if that's a mispronounced. But Team Tank here feels crazy rooting for the Wolves, Pistons, and Wizards to win games. Which one do you think has the greatest chance to get hot this season and pass the Thunder? Uh, read those teams to me one more time. Wolves, Pistons, and Wizards. Uh, just straight away, I would say the Wizards and and Timberwolves. Timberwolves getting Carl Anthony Towns back tonight, um, and they put up a a decent uh, fight against the Clippers at home tonight. Um, I I think the Timberwolves potentially because because they're going to get Towns back for they would hope an extended amount of time and not have to deal with any more injuries. Um, but their pick goes to golden state if it's outside the top three. So they have incentive to, to remain at the bottom, but we'll see if they have a talented roster. Anthony Edwards looks like he's a pretty solid player. Um, they obviously have D'Angelo Russell, Rubio, uh, Nas Reed is, has been really good for them. Um, and, and then talent, getting Towns back. I think they have enough to start winning a few games, especially if Oklahoma City can uh, can remain down at the bottom. I think that Minnesota is going to gonna pass them. And um, 
as well as the Wizards. The Wizards just have a couple. Beal's a phenomenal player leading the league in scoring. So I would look for those two teams. I think the Pistons are doing it right when it comes to tanking. Like they're just they're loaded with front court players and they're pretty rough in the backcourt. They just traded away Derrick Rose. So I would I would look for Detroit to stay down towards the bottom, but um, maybe Oklahoma City can get below Minnesota and or Washington. Yeah, and for for what it's worth, the uh, last I checked, the based on net rating, the Thunder have actually been you know worse statistically than Detroit and Washington. Uh, yes. Minnesota's been worse, but you know they black uh, cat for a, a lot of that time. So uh, I, I wouldn't be su- surprised if any of them were worse um, here on out. But the, that's a that's an interesting question as well because. There, those are those are the three teams, right? Three of the four teams that are ahead of Oklahoma City, and they're most of their. I mean, I was Washington. I live in the in the D.C. area, so I get to see a lot of the Wizards, and they're they're a competitive team. They score a ton of points, especially when both both Beal and Westbrook play. So I I could see them picking off um, quite a few more wins before before all is said and done and and as and in minnesota i those those are going to be really interesting games to watch detroit took the lakers to overtime just a couple games ago and they almost they almost uh pulled it out so uh i'm with this uh the person that asked asked this question i'm i'm with them i'm very closely watching those three teams yeah and they all have reason to try to at least make a play-in game more than the thunder at least from their Front office right. perspective, I would say. Right, Detroit and Washington have a great chance because the east, the bottom of the east, is a little more packed together. I think we're going to see a little more separation in the west. And that's that's the end of our questions, at least the one that I've seen. Cool. Well, thanks so much for for both of those. Um, so Oklahoma City goes to Denver. We'll see who is available and who isn't. That should be coming to us here uh in the next day or two may may that may go all the way up to game time before we know exactly uh who is available for the thunder they will be another uh variable in that game will be the altitude especially with a shorthanded uh team so we'll see what they look like especially late in that game uh denver i believe is off tomorrow night so both teams will be will have tomorrow off um that game is uh is eight o'clock uh, Central, so we'll be uh, watching for that one, and that means around 10:30, barring overtime, we'll be back on here uh, live on Twitter and on YouTube at Daily Thunder, and uh, we will be reacting to that one as well. I don't. I hope all of our Thunder fans have uh, sweet, sweet thoughts dancing in their heads uh, yeah. on a short night's sleep, including you, Ryan. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thunder fans, thanks so much. Hope everybody has a great day tomorrow, and we will be back on Friday. Crazy.